Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Good day to all of my international listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keys broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. And first things off is that I want to say that I'm glad I'm talking with you all and how are you all out there. I pray that in the midst of the continued global pandemic that has um, our entire world in a standstill negatively, you know, listeners, you know, it is my prayer that you all that are listening to me, that, you know, let's let's be sure to listen to the scientists and renowned doctors who are infectious disease specialists in particular, like Dr. Fauci, who can give you important factual information uh, pertaining to this novel virus as they are exploring and, ex- and examining it in order to find out its derivatives and how to adequately and safely destroy it from doing any more harm to our world's population. You know, I pray that you... Um, you know, I pray that you all out there are safe and that you are all not, you all, you know, you all are not only keeping your entire bodies, uh, that you are keeping your entire body sterile as possible. And, you know, and this does, you know, they always say, you know, uh, just your hands. No, you, we need to keep our whole body sterile, um, you know, and, you know, our, keep our children safe, you know, make sure that we're wearing our PPEs like facial mask upon leaving your home to do necessary tasks and gloves. And by the way, Please wear your mask properly. And I see so many people wearing their mask without covering their nose and or they are ill fitted. So, um, you know, just reminding you that this thing is airborne and your nose, your skin, your mouth, for example, are three of the main places for breathing air in and out of our bodies. So this is why it's more than just washing your hands. Your whole body needs to be scrubbed. In addition, listeners, social distance more than six feet whenever possible and limit your time in the atmosphere as much as possible. But I do know that a lot of you out there listening to me have to go to work outside the home. So just please be safe. Don't be hard headed. We all want this thing to go away back to the nothing from which this come. And I know it is saddening and it's taxing and scary. But, you know, we have to do this so that we are not doing what we are doing this time next year. And more importantly, the infection rate will decrease as well as unfortunate deaths. Because, listen, an ideal vaccine is going to take some time. I also want to say that I'm so grateful for all of the pharmaceuticals who are, you know, rushing with their developments for vaccine and other medicinal perspectives in addition to implementing clinical trials and shout out to all of those participants who are allowing themselves to basically be the first individuals to test the vaccines for various trials of development because they want to see an end to the pandemic. I also want to give a shout out to all of the doctors and the nurses and the EMTs, the janitors and hospitals, uh, administrative staffers, the psychologists, the mental health therapists, and all of the other medical officials and professional professionals who are consistently in the front line of duty as they are also consistently putting their lives, listener, online to help assist 
and protect the citizens of this nation. And I also want to give a shout out to businesses such as grocery store, um, to grocery store uh, employees and gas station uh, personnel and medical staffers who travel to various portions of this nation to assist the hospital medical staff in other cities and states where the numbers are seemingly out of control. You are also appreciated. God, please watch over all of them. Now, regardless of the denial from this White House administration regarding the pandemic seriousness and the processes that they are wanting to put into place as they truly are the dark side of this planet, this is what I would like to see happening right now, listeners. I want to see the United States of America collaborate with other countries' medical experts in infectious diseases and scientific organizational specialists and work consistently side by side and share data and thoughts and ideas with one another. You know, we listeners have had pandemics in this world, you know, in separate countries, unfortunately, but never a global pandemic dealing with an enemy that, you know, that I'm saying that is unseen by the eye and that is massively and aggressively traveling about. I am telling you that all egos need to stop. What I mean by that statement is it does not matter, listeners, who is on the cutting edge of development or who actually develops the medicine or vaccine that will destroy this virus. What is highly imperative is that a collaborative effort must take place now, not tomorrow, now, in spite of what this administration is saying and sputing his lies about China gave us this. Listeners, we need one another. We need one another. Now, remember what I read to you from Chief Seattle in an earlier broadcasted show, which was the following. All things are bound together. All things connect. Whatever happens to the earth happens to the children of the earth. Man did not weave the web of life. He is merely a strand in it. Whatever he does to the web, he does to himself. Chief Seattle. A global medicine and scientific collaborative effort is a must. I'm going to bring on my guest right now. He is what I'd say the world's best mental health therapist as we are now going to engage in some great educational and interesting um, banter. Good morning, Reginald, and thank you for being on my show today. Well, good morning, and uh, thanks for having me. And uh, good morning to all the listeners out there. And um, uh, God bless, and please be safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't even want to talk about the the numbers and things like that, you know, with this pandemic, you know, it's, and we just need to do the things that 
we need to do. And and that is, you know, with our PPEs, more than six feet, uh, minimize your movement. Um, uh, if, you know, as, as much as possible, you know, out there. And as I said, I know that people have to go to work and things of that nature for all of those that, that have to go to work outside of the home. And, you know, I just, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just much. It's just really much right now. Okay, mm-hmm. Reginald, let's jump into our first discussion. Um, Joe Biden says in one of his eloquent and meaningful political ads that we are fighting for the soul of this nation. Now, every time I hear him say this, Reginald, I can feel the sincerity, love, and urgent need in this message. I can also understand the meaning of what he is saying as the truth, as he is extremely concerned with the negative downward spiral this nation is in presently. Notice I said presently. In other words, there is something very bad that the core of this country needs immediate attention because there is a highly imminent and destructive threat that has capsized this nation. Now, Reginald Joyce Myers, one of my most beloved ministers um, um, that I love and just respect, you know, she says that change can be initially frightening, but eventually refreshing. She also stated that God is the medicine we need for the healing of our soul in a recent broadcast. So, okay, let's go with this last statement, Reginald, and that I just quoted from what Joyce Meyer stated, and that God is the medicine we need for the healing of our soul. So, therefore, in my perspective, in putting the aforementioned into rational thought or rational thinking pattern, wouldn't therefore, Reginald, we as citizens who are believers should call on God for healing the soul of this nation because the sickness that has a hold right now is too much or the need is too grandiose. And therefore, the assistance to cure things that, you know, the sickness that we are presently encapsulated in this moment is beyond our control as human beings, as it is seemingly things that we are not capable of getting rid of. So in order to move forward, such as racism, hate, inequality, unjust behaviors and COVID-19, do you feel that there is any validity to what I just stated, Reginald? Oh, of of course, I, I I believe in you know what you were saying. I believe in what what uh, Joyce Meyer said, and 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 it is because when we can't, I'll just speak personal. When there's uh, something that I'm that I'm concerned with, or uh, uh, you know worried about, or uh, having a hard time dealing with, uh, and, and it's out of my power. Uh, just like this mm-hmm. pandemic is out of is out of my power. I just call on God. I just, you know, I just have a conversation with with Him, as if I'm having a conversation with another person, uh, or mm-hmm. I'll just say the Lord's Prayer whenever there's something when I don't know what to say. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this person to me, I'll I'll just say the Lord's Prayer, and I'll and I'll, you know, I, I talk to God in the conversation where I'll say, look, you know, I don't I don't know what to say right now. I don't know what to ask you for right now. I don't know. You know what it is. I re- I know what it is I need, but I don't know how to express what I need. So that's how I talk to God. You know, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. anything formal. It doesn't have to be anything like that. And again, I'm just speaking for myself. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, because when there's something that weak, things are out of our control. Mm-hmm. It, it is so for me 
just really soothing uh, to have a conversation, um, you know, with my Lord and Savior about what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I really um, enjoy meditation prayer. That's what I call it for me, meditation prayer, where I I talk with God. I get by myself. I talk with God. And then sometimes I look around, you know, I look at the clock before I, I start my prayer. And then sometimes when I'm when I come out of this meditation prayer that I'm calling, it could be a half hour later. And uh, it's, it's very sweet and soothing and calm. And and if and sh- if and should I should take my BPMs, they will be, you know, down, you know, they're not high anyway. But, you know, since I've been doing this uh, more and more of this meditation prayer that I call it, which I've been doing for years, but especially now, you know, um, I can I can see a big difference in um the, the whole, my whole, um, what is it I'm wanting to say? My whole, um, you know, uh, medical, you know, my BPMs, the blood pressure and all of that is, is very calm. It's very calming. So meditation for me and for, I'm sure a lot of my listeners out there, um, do this as well too. They, they meditate, you know, so that, that is, that's, it's a very good thing to do. And it's a very soothing, thing to do, particularly with everything that's going on. Okay, thank you for that, Reginald. Now, NPR reported on July 13th, 2020, titled Sealed, Signed, I'm sorry, Signed, Sealed, Undelivered Thousands of Mail-In Ballots Rejected for Tardiness by Pam Flessler, Fessler and Elena Moore. It says in part the following, Reginald, mail-in voting, which tens of Americans Tens, tens of millions of Americans are expected to use this November is fraught with potential problems. Hundreds of thousands of ballots go uncounted each year because people make mistakes such as forgetting to sign the form or sending it in too late. An NPR analysis also found that in the primary election held so far this year, at least 65,000 absentee or mail-in ballots have been rejected because they arrived past the deadline, often through no fault of their, you know, of their own. You know, Rachel, you and I had discussed this, I think, uh, on the last show or the show before this, you know, about, um, you know, I'm a fan of mail-in votes. I'll say it again. I'm a fan of that because there's people who are in situations where they just can't get to, you know, the voting um, place, their polling place. Um, but I, I just want the damn things to be counted. Your comment, Reginald? Yeah, they and as as they should, uh, but you know, there's a there's a campaign uh, with the Republican Party that has been to stymie uh, uh, the votes uh, to not have them counted. Uh, Trump complains and cries like a three year old about, oh, mail in ballots are really horrible. They shouldn't be, and you know, they make up all of these ridiculous lies about mm-hmm. the, the, the dangers of, of, of mail-in ballots and all of that. But there's been a war against mail-in ballots on the Republican Party for back to the Bush administration. So this isn't anything anything new. It's just more on steroids than it was back then. There were a lot of ballots that weren't counted, uh, mail-in ballots from the military, from 
from uh, American Samoa, from Guam that 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 weren't counted in in uh, you mm-hmm. know the two Bush um, uh, 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 elections. You know, so uh, but mm-hmm. McConnell and and Trump and his minions are you know definitely out to destroy that and keep people every which way from from voting from moving. I think it was in in uh, in in Kentucky that. Uh, and I don't know the exact numbers, but there was approximate, there was like, you know, 3,000 or something like that uh, voting places that are now down mm-hmm. to a few hundred, like 300 or something, you know, yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about that number and all of mm-hmm. that is to stymie the, uh, you know, the stymie people, uh, and people of color in particular, let's just say it the way it is, yeah. to keep mm-hmm. people of color from voting. because when when people vote, Democrats win, and that's mm-hmm. just a proven fact. When people mm-hmm. don't vote, Republicans win because of all mm-hmm. of their shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about him later. Okay. All right. I want to move on to this person, this thing in the White House that slaves built. This is another NPR report, Reginald, that's dated on the 21st of July, 2020, by uh, Hansei Shang, and it's titled, Trump Wants to Change Who Counts for Dividing Up Congress Seats. It says in part the following, Reginald, that person in the White House that slaves built is signing a memorandum Tuesday that calls for an unprecedented change to the constitutionality mandated count of every person living in this country. The exclusion of unauthorized immigrants from the numbers used to divide up seats in Congress among the states. The White House has not provided any additional details and has not yet released the text of the memorandum, but in a written statement, a White House official who spoke on background said the action will clarify that illegal aliens are not to be included for the purpose of apportionment of representatives following the 2020 census. But the move by the president, who does not have final authority over the census, is more likely to spur legal challenges and political spectacle in the last months before this year's presidential election than a transformation of the once-a-decade headcount. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, by the, and by the way, Reuters also reported on 721-2020 by Mika Rosenberg, Nick Brown, and Mimi Dyer, Dwyer, I'm sorry, says that Trump orders voting districts to exclude people, you know, um, in the U.S., you know, illegally. So here we are. We have this, this thing about the census, okay? And once again, with his his uh, lack, him and his minions lack of of um, uh, of um, education in our constitutional uh, process and what the Constitution says and in and amendments and things like that, you know. So, what are your thoughts so far, Reginald? I have a little bit more I want to say, but I want to hear your thoughts about this so far. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. It kind of goes back to what I was saying before that, you know, there's always, you know, to, as you're talking about this, it reminds me just of the um, electoral college in, in, in general, 
where, mm -hmm. you know, where the Electoral College has its roots in slavery, uh, where, you know, the slaves were allowed in, in smaller states were allowed to be counted as three-fifths of a human being. You know, mm -hmm. they, they had no rights. You couldn't vote. You were property. But you were allowed, but, but the owners were allowed to count them as three-fifths of a human being. Uh, you know, so so to me, it, it it smacks of that. You know, as I'm listening to it, it it, it smacks of, of of that. And again, it's just to keep. It's it's always a way to try and and downplay voting, try to keep people from voting, or somehow manipulate the population where people aren't allowed to. You know, it's just. It's, it's a mess. It just goes it just goes on and on. And what this Reuters report is saying, Reginald, that the U.S. census experts and lawyers say the action is legally dubious and not easily executed. In practice, in theory, it could benefit the Republican Party by eliminating the largely non-white, as we talked about, population mm -hmm. of migrants in the United States, creating voting districts that skew more Caucasians. From a legal standpoint, the move is far from a slam dunk. That is because the U.S. Constitu Constitution explicitly says congressional districts must be based on the whole number of persons in each district. Okay? It's counted in each de uh, de decennial U.S. census. It does not say, Reginald, that my, and my listeners, that it does not say to exempt immigrants who are here mm -hmm. in this country illegally Neither has there been an amendment, you know, any kind of amendment to this portion of the U.S. Constitution. In fact, it has census experts say multiple federal laws have reinforced that apportionment must include everyone. And U.S. Supreme Court president has in, uh, president has endorsed this view, said Joshua Geltzer. He's a constitutional expert and professor at um, Georgetown Law. I'm saying that these fools are grabbing at straws as he's falling. You know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. Reginald? Mm -hmm. Yeah, throwing, you know, like throwing spaghetti and jello up against the wall and seeing what sticks. That's what they're doing. They're just trying everything. Mm -hmm. They're they're like a person that's that's drowning. You know, they're they're reaching for any and everything. And and mm -hmm. you know, that's why we as as citizens have to Stay on top of these things. That's why you have to be an informed voter. You have to yes. be informed of what's going on because that's what they're counting on of you being uninformed of what's happening. I'm sorry. I was taking a drink of water. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely correct. Okay. So let's go on to the next uh, topic, Reginald. And, uh, you know, I wanted I want to know that you and, you know, my listeners, any of you guys hear about this plasma shot. So this is a report by the Los Angeles Times on 7-10-2020 by Emily Baumgartner. And it says um, um, a plasma shot could prevent coronavirus, but Fed and makers won't act. This is a scientist. Now, you can go to this, you know. Uh, Los Angeles uh, Times report and read it. It's a it's a pretty lengthy read, but it's a very interesting and informative read. And it says in part, 
it might be the next thing to a coronavirus vaccine. Scientists have devised a way to use the antibody-rich blood plasma of COVID-19 survivors for an upper arm injection that they say could inoculate people against the virus for months. Using technology that has been proven uh, effective in preventing other diseases such as hepatitis A, the injections would be administered to high-risk healthcare workers, nursing home patients, or even at public drive-through sites, potentially protecting millions of lives, the doctors and other experts say. Now, two scientists who spearheaded the proposal is an 83-year-old shingles researcher and his counterpart, an HIV gene therapy expert, have garnered widespread support from leading blood and immunology specialists, including those at the center of the nation's COVID-19 plasma research. But the idea exists only on paper, Reginald. Federal officials have twice rejected requests for the, uh, you know, to discuss the proposal and pharmaceutical companies, even acknowledging the likely efficacy of the plan, have declined to design or manufacture the shots, according to a Times investigation. Now, it says the lack of interest in launching development or immunity shots comes amid heightened scrutiny of the federal government's, government's sluggish pandemic response. So there is little disagreement that the idea holds promise. The dispute is over the timing. Now, Dr. Anthony Foucher, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the National Institutes of Health, said an upper arm injection that would function like a vaccine is a very attractive concept. Your thoughts, Reginald? Mm. You know, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take everyone. It's, and, and, and we don't have the luxury of time of, of mm-hmm. arguing and deciding, you know, who's going to basically, from what I'm hearing about that, it's like, who's going to get the credit for it? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and we don't have time for that. It's about mm-hmm. developing a vaccine that's going to protect millions, not billions of people in, in this world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to take everybody, as you had said earlier before, it's going to take everybody. It's going to take doctors in Sri Lanka, doctors in the United States, doctors in in Mexico, doctors in, in Poland. You know, it, it's going to take everyone, mm-hmm. everyone to put in their mind together. And this is why, uh, you know, President Obama had set, had set up, you know, that commission for uh, for pandemics that when Trump came in, he, you know, just eliminated that, mm-hmm. you know, it's that same thinking that it's going to take everybody. And mm-hmm. and who gives a a, 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 a a darn who gets the credit? Exactly. You, and, you know, yeah, who cares? yeah, who cares? And that's what I was saying in my in my opening uh, monologue, uh, brother, is that who cares? The thing is that we're all in this together. We need one another. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, um, when, you know, back when what you were saying about um, uh, one of the greatest presidents of all time, President Barack Obama, and um, he had devised, already had devised a plan and an operative to, to counteract um, such an event that we are unfortunately dealing with now. Um Nobody cares about, you know, oh, getting an award for this. and what You know, Jonas Salk is one of my all-time heroes, Jonas Salk. 
And I, I always, you know, say when I have discussions with individuals about, you know, the perspective of, of a vaccine and this and that. And, and, um, and, um, I, and I just, you know, I said, you know, I, I, you know, I ask you to go and read his papers, his works, uh, his books um, of, of what he did and, and the, and, um, and the time that it took and, and, and all of that, this is not going to be some slam dunk. I don't, I don't care if that was, you know, some decades um, ago that, that Jonas Salk um, came up with, you know, the, the, the polio vaccine, it still is very usable today. Okay. And just because we're 2020 doesn't mean that, you know, we have the advantage and, 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 uh, uh, intelligence of of uh, composing such a, a need in our world today, you know, because this isn't something that's just needed in the United States. This is something that is needed worldwide. And something that you and I talked about, Rich, I'm I'm kind of getting off of what I wanted to finish saying, is that um, you know, people need to need to come together. You know, I I was just thinking in in my prayer a couple of days ago to um as I was talking to God, that I, I want to see everybody. And that's why I was saying it in my opening um, monologue, all of the intelligent to be. And uh, that means, but out uh, uh, Donald don't know nothing, Trump, um, mm-hmm. about how to, how to um, come together so that we can devise up a solution for this. I mean, because if it keeps going like this, we're not going to, this is going to be bad. I mean, worse mm-hmm. than what it is, you know, it's going to be worse than what it is. Um, um, I, I'm I also, I want to finish reading something else to it. Uh, this article goes on to say, however, he, meaning Dr. Fauci, uh, he says scientists would, uh, should first demonstrate that the coronavirus antibodies that are currently delivered to patients intravenously in hospital wards across the country actually works. Okay. Mm-hmm. Once you once you show the efficacy, then the obvious next step is to convert it into an intramuscular shot. All right. The antibodies in plasma can be concentrated and delivered to patients through a type of drug called immune globulin or IG, which can be given through either an IV drip or a shot. IG shots have for decades been used to prevent an array of diseases. See, this is what I'm saying. Let's look back on what the, what the, you know, the other uh, medical professionals and scientists have already developed and how can we use that for today? Okay. The Mm -hmm. IG shot that prevents hepatitis A was first licensed in 1944. The pair followed up with a detailed proposal to conduct a clinical trial at UC San Diego. They believe injectable five milliliter virals of IG could be given quickly by minimum by minimally trained healthcare workers, offering at least two months of immunity to doctors and nurses, as well as residents of nursing homes, college dormitories, and military um, submarines. So. The submission was backed by four other infectious disease researchers and statisticians, but it, you know, was also rejected, you know, the, the record show. But, you know, 
That rejection is constant with the plasma injections. This isn't the first time, uh, Reginald and my listeners, that I had been reading about, you know, the plasma injections. And I just think that if that's something that that scientists and medical experts, you know, in the world, you all hear me out there in the world, get together. It doesn't listen. Don't pay any attention to this person in the White House because he's there there for just a few more days. All right. You guys can get together. There's no laws that says that you cannot get together and form a collaborative effort. Okay. There's nothing that says that you guys can't do that. You know, you, you don't have to have uh, meetings. We got all type of technology where we can talk to each other around the world and, and you can share reports and upload, download and all of this, these kinds of things. It's a remarkable what the technology is that's out there. Um, and, and you guys get together. Never mind what, what he's saying. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Well, absolutely, because you know it's it, it, it's to the point now. Just 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 ignore what he's saying, exactly. And, and, you know, because he just goes out there and lies. You know, the other day he was having some conference, you know, COVID conference, mm-hmm. but he had no doctors. Doctor Fauci okay. wasn't there. There were no. no there were no medical experts there. Mm-hmm. So what was that? For you, you know, I mean that's that's just totally Photo ridiculous. That's that's all it was. That's you know that's like going out in front of an audience and and talk about basket weaving, but you never weaved a basket before, and you don't have anybody out there who knows about basket weaving or who's been doing basket weaving for the past five, ten, fifteen, or twenty years. But you're going to talk about basket <laughs> about weaving. basket weaving. I mean, this, exactly. This this, this this is is ridiculous. And so yes. it's the way now, that's another way that he's just reaching for anything. So just, just ignore his ass, please. Just he's free him. falling in the air, listeners. He's free falling in the air. So he's trying to grab to see what it is that, that he can do, what it is that, that, you know, that he can do. It's, it's like the ridiculousness. Uh, I want to go into another subject, but I also want to touch on something that, that you and I shared uh, very briefly here is uh, the ridiculousness that he has now that he has these um, I'm calling them robocops descending on Chicago and Oregon and New York and places like that. And he's saying that uh, the Democratic mayors and they all happen to be um, women of color. OK, uh, they can't uh, oversee their their cities and I have to send them in there. It's, it's worse than Afghanistan. How in the hell would you know what something's worth in Afghanistan? Because you and your spurs and your daddy kept you out of even going to the uh, military. Okay. So you you can't speak about what something is worse than, than Afghanistan. You don't probably don't even know how to spell it. But anyhow, um, anyhow, um, it you know, it's it's just ridiculous. It's nothing but heightening um more anxiety and, and ill, you know, feelings, you know, among people and things like that. So, you know what I'm saying, Reginald? Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is his way of, you know, again, get on another subject. So you're not mm-hmm. thinking about that. Oh, don't look over there. Look, look over here. And it's a way of, of control. And it's a mm-hmm. direct, it's a direct uh, attack on the constitution. 
Thank you. This is not a totalitarian society. Uh, you know. Thank you. Um, it, thank it, you. it reminds me of a song by the group Buffalo Springfield in 1967. And uh, the name of the song is For What It's Worth. And mm-hmm. there's a part in there where they talk about, you know, you, you protest and the man comes and takes you away. You, mm-hmm. you know, it <laughs> it's, the, it's the same thing. And, exactly. And so, and, and it, these people so... aren't, you know, um, the uh, head of Homeland Security, uh, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, unfortunately, he was head of Homeland Security in uh, President Obama's administration. And uh-huh. also uh, they spoke with Tom Riggs, who was the first uh, 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 head of Homeland Security under, under Bush. And they both talked about how this is wrong and how this is unconstitutional. And this is not what we're supposed to be doing. And and you hear the mayor, especially the mayor in Chicago and um in, in Atlanta, and they're like, you know, they're not welcomed here and they're not going to be coming to. I said, well, it's nothing you could do about it. And see, this is what I'm saying. He actually and I've always said that he thinks that this is a totalitarian society. You know, he this, you know, that I can just do whatever I want to do, you know, and, and then somebody taught him how to pronounce the word anarchist. OK. When is the last time you heard that original anarchist <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're a bunch of anarchists. No, they're not. They're a bunch of individuals who are fighting for their rights as they should be. And as they are legitimately capable of doing so, they're capable of doing that, you know, and it's, and, and, it, and you're right. Exactly what he's doing is it. I mean, you got these people in uniforms and they got, Look, Reginald, plain, plain cars, and they're just walking up to people and just throwing them in the car. What the hell is yeah. up with that? Yeah, it's, it, you know, um, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, this is what, you know, and then I want to touch on one other thing real, real quick is how he, when he was, uh, you know, I, I, I could only look at this, uh, this video for a few seconds be, before, you know, throwing up, and he was reading and, um, you know, and he was talking about what's going on in the cities and then and, and it's going to get, you know, he's talking about the, the virus is, you know, wear your mask. He's looking all down where and he's reading because he can't, reading, you know, yeah. just he, just. Yeah, he, he can't, can't just talk, talk on his own. Reginald. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm talking, on, he, you know, I, I read something from the, you know, what I'm saying. I'm reading. Then I'm talking on my he can't do that. No. Okay, So he's like, um. Oh, you know, and and it's going to get worse than is, you know, than than before it gets better. And I I hate to say it, but it's going to get worse. I'm like, is anybody looking at this? I mean, oh, really looking at what God. is what the what is worth? <laughs> is anybody okay? Here's a he thinks that this is another thing that is going to help revitalize him being in you know the the White House. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. And and he's saying these things and people should be saying, even his followers should be saying, wait a minute. <laughs> so you're telling us now that it's it's we're, we need to wear masks. Right. Hmm. right. When the hell did you say that shit like five fucking months ago? Yeah. And over 142,000 people, <sighs> loved ones, someone's brother, sister, mother, aunt beloved cousins or whoever transition 
needlessly mm-hmm. when all you had to do was the right thing. Is anybody out there thinking that besides me and you, Reginald? Because yeah, you, you, that's, you that's, that's what I was thinking when I was looking sure. at this fool. Sure. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Now here yeah. we come. It's, it's all here we are at the at the final hour where we're struggling. Mm-hmm. We got nurses that are going to other cities and states, you know, California, Arizona and other places where the numbers are just seemingly like really out of control. And mm-hmm. here now you come up with this when you the one who said that it was nothing. It was just a, is anybody remembering these things? It's just a flu. It's just a it's just a mere cold. Oh, think about well, think about that want- as you're voting. Think about that. Think about that. What we'll were you going to say, further. Reginald? It, it, we'll take it one step further. It's a hoax. A bl- it's, it's a hoax. And and yesterday, go. the other day, he said again that it will just magically go away. Go away. How, how can what? something go away if it's not there, if it's a hoax? You, you know, I mean, how how can that be? This this is mental, and and absolutely, I was thinking the other day, <sighs> his followers. Okay, now he's saying, okay, wear masks. I wear. He pulls one out of his pocket. I wear masks. You know, so like, are you all thinking that? Okay, you get upset and you don't want to wear a mask, and you and you're acting a fool like this one seventy something year old woman who I was watching on YouTube last week didn't want to wear a mask in Costco, so she gets on the floor. Sits on the floor, yeah. screaming and 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 yelling because she doesn't want to wear a mask. Is she thinking that now? That that well, wait a minute. Now that he's wearing a mask, maybe I'll wear one. But but how, how all of a sudden, magically, now we should wear a mask? I mean, this this is just the incompetence and the stupidity. Not yes. just incompetence, but stupidity is overwhelming. And the un caring and the uncaring and he's going to call somebody anarchist which i doubt that he even knows the derivative of that term was way back in the 1500s okay go and educate yourselves what an anarchist is an anarchy and all of that i mean it's just yeah so she's waddling on the floor Uh, oh 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 that's where the germ is also on the floor uh (laughs) big time okay so you waddling your behind on the floor, you're not hurting anybody but yourself. So as you're waddling on the floor, don't don't touch touch anybody, don't talk to nobody, don't nothing to anybody. You just keep all those germs on, on your clothes and skin to yourself, just because they told you uh. to, you know, to to wear a mask. You know, I, oh my God. Okay, all right. <sighs> it is not enough. Uh, activists say Black Lives Matter murals are empty gestures, a report from Political by Maya King on 7-19-2020, Reginald. So what do you think about people who are defacing the Black Lives murals that are legally painted on various streets, such as in front of Trump Towers with that Black woman on her hands and knees recently? Um, Do people Mm. who are defacing uh, this message think that it will go away? (laughs) You know what exactly uh, right. stands behind it. Like the, like I said, like the black woman who was on her hands and knees defacing the signage in front of the Trump Towers recently. You know, mm-hmm. you know, wow, wow, 
and wild mm-hmm. is all I'm going to say about that. But do they think that this is just going to, using that word, magically go away? Yeah. And did she think that she would be able to just cover up yeah. that in front of his tr- you know, you know they 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 resurfaced that they they put that back there. It's not going to go away. And you also sure. know that she was that okay. she was a plant. Really, really. Oh God! You didn't have nothing else to do. You could have been home scrubbing your floors. That that probably need and I need scrubbing. You're out there on your hands and knees. It's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. God. I hope her mother slapped the taste out of her mouth when she saw her. What are your thoughts, Reginald? Oh gosh, uh, you know, it's, of course, you know, you know, someone paid her to do that. And of course, and if we pay, if we get a black person to do it, then that mm-hmm. means that it's okay because a black person mm-hmm. did it. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, well, if a slave says that he's okay about being in slavery, then slavery's okay. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if a minister says that everything is okay in Mississippi and, 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 and Alabama, in Alabama, then that means that Dr. King it's not right. You know, so so it's the old yeah. playbook. It's, it's, the, it's, old it's playbook the old playbook that's been run over and over and over again. So, you know, you know, look, Reginald, that, look, that play, look, Reginald, that playbook has you been used so much, Reginald. They 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 got all kind of tape and everything, keeping it taped together because they've been using those same pages over and over and over. You know, just wow. It, it, it's nothing new, and you know, wow. I'm I'm sure, and I have said just in our conversations, I'm sure that woman has relatives that are like, "Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Are you are you kidding me? You did this, you know." Mm-hmm. So, so again, it's yeah, it's like you know, we'll we'll pay a black person to do this, and I'm sure they paid her. She didn't mm-hmm. just wake up one day and like, "I'm going to go out there and do it." No, some organization or whatever paid her to do it. And of course, to get a black Some, person. And what better way look, to show the silliness is to get yeah. a black person to do it. And 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 Reginald, they they still have this big myth, okay, that just because you know you're a black person, person of color, that they speak for, you know, they speak sure. for everybody. What is the matter with you? You don't. That that that, that you you don't. You don't you freaking don't. and never have and never will speak for me. And I'm a beautiful golden person of color. It's never going to happen. See, because I have my own mind. <laughs> okay. You're not going to speak for me. You know, it's like, I, I, that, that's all I have to say, Reginald. I, I I'm, I'm just saying, if, if, if uh, that, if, if her mother saw that and, you know, maybe her mother is not on the same wavelength as she it would be on. It might yeah. even result in me divorcing myself as my mother to you. <laughs> no, you know something I, else because this is I, nothing. That's really crazy. This is nothing to play with. We don't have time. We don't have the time. The world for doesn't any have time stuff. for this silliness. We don't have time for that kind of stupidity. We don't have time for the kind of stupidity that that's coming out of out of out of the White House. We we don't have time for this kind of stuff. There's too many things, too many lives at at stake, and just the world that the world is at stake, and we don't have time for this. And, we and don't all have of this time. Is, yeah. is just a way of 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 putting of getting your attention off of it. But we don't have time mm-hmm. for it, and and it's not going to happen. 
So what mm-hmm. he did was in vain. It was just a waste of time. Now mm-hmm. everyone sees how stupid you are. Anyone who knows you know how stupid you are. If you have a job, you probably got fired from your job. Job, okay. You know, for defacing defacing a legal mural. There there are laws about that. So don't just go uh, rushing yourselves out there doing that crap. Yeah. You know, it's like going out there and defacing a stop sign to tear down the stop sign. You're defacing property, public property, and you're going to be held accountable for it. As you should be. Oh my God! It's, uh, it's a lot. Just runs rampant. Uh, it's a lot. You know. <laughs> it's a lot. Gosh. And and the and the article goes on to say that um, more than a dozen other cities have since adopted the practice since um, um, New York uh, City Mayor Bill De Blasio was one of the first to follow suit, ordering Black Lives Matter to be painted on Fifth Avenue, directly across from that Trump stupid tower. And the Reverend Al Sharpton and members of the Central Park Five participated in this unveiling. So, you know, I, you know, organizations are calling for immediate policy changes. And since George Floyd was killed by a Minneapolis police officer in late May, Black Lives Matter activists has taken part to the streets demanding radical change to police departments and other parts of the government. Okay, you can do that. Amendment, you know, Constitution, you know, Amendment One. So far, the political class is offering little words more than words painted on streets. You know, so I, I I'm telling you. Oh, you know what? I want to bring this up. Now, I just heard a little bit about this. You know, um, my husband Brian, shout out to Brian and I yesterday. You know, we just heard a little blurb about this, and we were like, what? Um, maybe you heard something that can shed um, uh, 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 some light on it uh, for me and my uh, listeners, Rachel, about this 15-year year of age girl who is in jail because she did not do her online studies. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear that. Oh, my God. I'm like, What? And I think that I think that she has uh, been in jail for some time. Now, what? My mouth wow. is still open. You know, we were like, wow. "What the? What the? What?" You know, and I'm ready to you know do this broadcast this morning. So, all of you guys out there listening to me, you know, go do your research. And um, find out just how ridiculous this is, you know, just because she did not do her online studies. I don't know the whole depth about this. You know, you hear these things Mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of it is not true or it's been, you know, bent out of shape or whatever. But I we heard that and we were like, wait, 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 what? You know, our brains are already tired from everything that we do uh, during the course of a day. And we're like, and then they didn't say much else about it. We're like. Okay, all right, and I, and as I said in in my um uh, readiness for today's um show, I said, darn it, I'm gonna ask um my brother if he heard anything about this. <laughs> wow, how insane wow. is that? Wow, wow. See what wow. I'm saying? This is not a totalitarian regime. 
come on. Oh my! I, wow. Yeah, that's... I thought for sure. I said, "Oh, I'm sure maybe Reginald has heard, um, no. you know, something." Uh huh. Yeah, and then also, <laughs> and then also, um, and then also about the Portland Portland mayor who was mm-hmm. tear gassed by these these goons that that um, Trump has sent there. Wow. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I, I heard. I did hear about that one. Yeah, I, I, I did hear about that one. Uh, now, actually, they were talking about yeah. it uh, yesterday and the, and the day before. Yeah, I heard about that a couple of times this week, actually. Yeah. Now, USA Today, Trevor Hughes um, reported on 7-23-2020 that Portland mayor tear gassed by federal officers warns somebody's going to die during chaotic protests. So Mayor Ted Wheeler was tear gassed by federal officers along with a large crowd of protesters late Wednesday night after he tried for hours to calm down angry activists demanding police reform from City Hall and calling for federal authorities to withdraw from this mostly liberal, mostly white city. Okay? So this is what Mm. I was saying earlier. Um, um, This is what I was saying earlier about, you know, him thinking that old, you know, no, it's a mostly white city. Oh my God. He's so crazy. Okay. Let me, let me move on because I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. And mom, my engineer, shout out to Randy is, is telling me that, you know, um, I want to go into the last segment of my, my show here. And this is about John Lewis. John Lewis said many wonderful and heartfelt and meaningful things during his life on earth. And I'm going to read to you one thing that he said in particular in a speech in January 2017. And it's which, you know, I feel is very apropos, especially for what we as a nation, as a world are going through right now, Reginald. When we see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation to do something, to say something and not be quiet. Now, I am getting ready to close my show listeners with a tribute to this fantastic person, John Lewis. So I'm asking that you please stay tuned and listen. But before I close, I want to say, Reginald, I am so grateful for you being on my show and my shows on the past. And I appreciate your comments and insights, you know, regarding the subject matters that I present to you, our discussions uh, for, for my listeners, I think is great. Listeners, Please be kind to yourself and others. And please remember my earlier conversation about protecting yourselves during this unfortunate moment in time that we are going through right now. Just know this too shall pass because nothing lasts forever but God's love. This is Teresa E. Keeves. I will be talking to you next month. God bless you all and listen to the tribute to John Lewis. Thank you very much. I think if there was one word to describe John Lewis' legacy, it would be impact. From the streets of Alabama, through protesting from the outside to influence government. We cannot wait. We cannot be patient. From the halls of Congress, pulling levers of power and protesting even once inside government to enact change. By sitting down, they're really standing up. Both the vigor with which he fought for it and the success he had in achieving it. 
John Lewis was born in Troy, Alabama in 1940. Uh, it was the segregated Deep South. And I think that the upbringing there was really something that stuck with him, shaped his worldview. He has talked about listening to Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks on the radio. Uh, his family members supported the Montgomery bus boycott. There was violence and there was protests, and that was definitely something that he grew up cognizant of. And um, he wanted to get involved, and he did. He started participating in uh, things like sit-ins, for example. He also talked about, as a teenager, um, going down to the Montgomery Public Library in Alabama and trying to get a library card with his friends. So there was always this sort of um, pushing for social change, pushing for civil rights. And that was when he began to get involved with Dr. King. He was a very young civil rights leader and helped him organize uh, in Washington, including the famous I Have a Dream speech. So he came into the civil rights movement and really gained prominence within that movement at a really pivotal time. I think the one flashpoint that uh, Mr. Lewis talked about the most that influenced him was uh, that infamous march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Alabama. During that attack, he suffered a skull fracture from a beating, and the news coverage of it, it really became a pivotal moment, obviously, in American history. Um, and it really served as a catalyst to kind of accelerate some of the changes that they were fighting for at the time. Later that year was when the Voting Rights Act was passed through Congress. That moment really informed for him how much you have to put on the line to enact change in this country. Sometimes I hear people, especially young people, saying nothing has changed. I feel like saying, come and walk in my shoes. You know, he was a reliable liberal vote. He voted against the uh, use of military force in Iraq. He voted for the Affordable Care Act. All that aside, though, I do think the chief thing he will be remembered for on both sides of the aisle, especially among his admirers, is that he served as the living link to an era of which people have so many sentiments about. And I just think the automatic kind of built-in respect for what he went through and the guidance that he provided, the moral clarity he provided on a lot of issues will be missed on both sides of the aisle.